I'm excited about today. I'm excited about what the things God is going to do today. I'm excited about what he's going to do uh, during the altar time today. We are going to open the altars and pray for people. Um, today is going to be about more, more of God. And I, I want to say this in advance because I know I've sat where you're sitting. So I know how this works sometimes where you're thinking, well, everybody should want more to God. Then why don't you just make everybody come down? Well, <clears throat> this is not compulsory. But I'll tell you this. There is something about raising your hand, about taking a step. There is something about responding physically as you respond spiritually and emotionally. They go together. And maybe, maybe that doesn't make sense to you, but, but it does in life. There's so many things in life where if we just say, yes, I agree with that, it kind of fades from our life and our memory. So what I'm just preparing you for is when we open the altars in a little bit today, I want you to come if you're feeling God is working in your heart and you want more, because it sometimes takes a step from you for those things to happen. So I just want to encourage you in that. I want to say this, too. We've really enjoyed the My Jesus Stories series, and it was fun getting all those stories from you. Now, I haven't got to see them all. Pastor Nick mentioned this, and again, thank you, Pastor Nick, for speaking two weeks ago. When he spoke two weeks ago, he mentioned the fact that we have way more video than we could show. So I, I, somebody asked me today, hey, are you going to ever show my video? And, and we may. But what we're working on is trying to get, it's hard to get sometimes those into bite-sized chunks that we could use in a service. So one of the things Pastor Nick is working on is putting them on our website and then also on our YouTube channel so that we can go to a place and see My Jesus Stories. So those testimonies will be out there to encourage everybody. Plus, just the nature of doing a service, you know, we only have a limited amount of time. So sometimes it doesn't do the whole story justice to, to put it down in a two, three minute chunk. We want to instead maybe give the like, you know, eight, nine minute where you can tell your whole story. So having said that, I'm excited about that. And I want to say a few more things about that. I've had a lot of people come up and talk to me and say, I want to share my story, but I don't like where it's at right now. Can anybody relate to that? You've all read, you've read stories, right? And as you read a story, there's a plot line to it where things happen and, you know, it kind of weaves in and out and. You know, maybe one chapter ends and it's not really good. And then you're hoping things get better in the next chapter. And maybe they do, but, but ultimately you're working to the end of the story. <clears throat> How do all the fairy tales and Disney stories end? They live happily ever after, right? I want you to listen to this. I want, I want, you to, I want, I want to get this exactly right. We don't live happily ever after until the hereafter. Did you catch that? We don't actually live happily ever after till the hereafter. Now, that doesn't mean life here isn't good. I don't mean that. I think it's, it can be excellent and a lot of times great. But the fact is, our stories aren't done being written. So maybe you, like some of the people who talk to me, you don't feel like your story's in a place where you really want to tell it yet. Okay, that's fine. There are chunks probably you might want to tell and little vignettes and parts of it, maybe a chapter where God did this. And those are things we need to think about and hear about. But I want to encourage you in the fact that nobody's story's done. God is still working on all of us. And the fact is he takes us from one to, to this step to this step. And sometimes there's mountaintops, sometimes there's valleys. Have you noticed most people don't live on the mountain? Not very many people live up high. We like that part. But we don't live there. We vacation there a lot of times. Or we get encouraged there, but that's not usually where the hard work is done. Usually the growing and the planting and the, the harvesting and the plowing, that's done down in the valley. 
And that soil becomes rich and we grow in those places. So I want to encourage you. Maybe your story's not done. Or maybe you heard a story here and you thought, God hasn't done that for me yet. You know what? He's still working. And he's not done. And that's okay. That's how he planned this life to be. It's okay that it's like that. I want to, I want to take you on another little trip here. Have you ever thought about the story of the Bible? How it works? I've mentioned this in here before. John Eldridge wrote a great book. He's written a lot of great books. Uh, Greg Smith. Uh, he's written a lot of great books, John Eldridge. One of them is called Epic. And what he does is he points out the fact that every story really does borrow from God's story. And I'm, I'm not trying to destroy any movies or stories, but we all know how it works, right? You go in, you know there's going to be a problem. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be good. Someone's going to destroy it. Then somebody has to fix it, right? That's God's story. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. But what I want to do, do today is I want to walk you partly along God's story, and then I want you to merge your story with his story, and I want you to get to the point today where you want more of him, him in your story. You have a choice in that today. So I want to get there. I don't, but let me just, let's start right here. The fact is that God created us for relationship. He wanted, he chose to have a relationship with you. There are other creatures, other beings he's created that are different. And scripture literally says they look at us and they don't get it. And I wonder what that means. We don't, we're not given every detail about that. But I think part of it means like they're probably wondering, God, why do you bother with these humans? They keep messing it up and you did so much for them and they don't seem to appreciate it. And over and over and over. But he did create us for relationship. And part of that, the beauty of the relationship he wanted with us was a free will relationship. He wanted to give us the freedom to love him or reject him. The freedom to obey him or to disobey him. And when we do not follow what he says, we call that sin. But what you need to understand about it is it breaks relationship. And you know that. Because in every human relationship, when people don't follow through with expectations or they go against those expectations that you and, and the other person agree to, there's a breaking of relationship. Now, here's the problem. You can't fix it. We try to. Every religion has those elements to it where they try. They try to follow all these rules, whether it's steps or, or whatever it is. They just try, 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 try. But ultimately, you're not going to mend that relationship. God pointed out, and he made it this way, where there has to be some payment for that sin. He did it that way. But he wanted true relationship. He gave us instructions on how to live. Instructions on how to follow what it would do to make this life right. You know what I think of? it? It's like this. How many of you saw this cool toy that you wanted for your kid, and you bought it, and you didn't realize there was going to be instructions? And then you get the thing out and you realize, oh my gosh, this is way more complicated than I thought. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but some of you just dig in and start doing it, right? And then some of you pull out the instructions. And then those of you who dug in and started doing it, eventually you've got to go back to the instructions. Where are those things? You know, maybe they're already out in the trash. I don't know. <clears throat> but I remember this specifically when I was a kid. Uh, we had model boats and planes. Anybody ever do those? An actual model where it was plastic and it came. And remember the model glue? Does anybody remember this? Students, I'm sorry. This is way, you would not even have any idea what I'm talking about. 
Remember that model glue that literally would burn your, your nose if you got too close to it? It would, it would I mean, literally make you high if you're working in it. Remember that? Remember how it worked? I mean, once you put that on the plastic, it literally melted and molded the plastic together. So once it was together, <laughs> it was forever together. Do you, I remember one time building this ship with my dad, you know, because he's in the Navy, so we'd buy all these ship models, and they were cool, but I was a little young, and I remember we took it out, and remember, I don't know if you guys remember all this, but we had to pull off all the pieces first. Remember that? They came in these kind of weird plastic framework, and you had to pull all the pieces off, so I'm just looking at it like, what are those? I mean, they're all these weird little shapes and pieces. And all I saw was the two holes of the ship and the deck. So while he was getting all that together, I put them together and I put the deck together. I'm like, done. Right? Not in glue it. But I asked my dad, what are all these things? He said, well, these go inside. And I do remember as a kid saying, well, why do we even need those? We already got the ship. And he looked at me and he said, well, it won't be right if the insides aren't right. And at the time, I didn't, that didn't mean anything to me. I remember walking away thinking, it looks the same. Like when you're done, all that inside stuff's in there. You'll never see it again. But what he said was, it wouldn't be right if the insides weren't right. And the only way we knew to get the insides right is to literally have the instructions and follow them. And our lives are the same way. So many times you might look right on the outside, but the insides are not right because you are not following the instructions. And we call that sin for a reason because your God loves you, cares about you, and wants you right on the inside. You all know how it is. You get something or achieve something and you walk away and you think, man, that didn't feel right. Well, why? Because maybe your insides are not right. Maybe the things that drive you and motivate you deep inside are not right. God wants the best for us, and yet we always think we know better, and we want to do our own thing and not follow his instructions. He gave this simple thing to Adam and Eve. He put them in a perfect, idyllic garden. Every need was met. Everything they could ever want was there. And he put them in there, male and female. It was perfect. And he told them one thing, don't eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's it. Now, I know some people look at that and they're like, why would he, why would he keep anything from them? And that's, that's the lie the enemy told them. Think about that. He literally said, hey, look at this one thing you can't do. Ignore all the everything else that I gave you, all the perfection that is there for you, and focus on the one thing you can't. Why do we do that? Why do we focus on the little minimal one thing, that half glass full, and don't look at the, all the wonderful beauty that God created? Everything he gave to them. And yet what they did is they made that mistake and did that. And the enemy lied to them. And all they could think about is what they were limited from instead of what he had given them. He knew what was best. He knew what they needed to thrive. Okay, I have time for one other goofy story. <clears throat> we lived in, uh, we lived in uh, the Philippines. We had like a little carnival. I think it was a 4th of July thing, probably. A big patriotic deal. You guys ever done those? And we went and they had this big kiddie pool and all these goldfish were in there. And if you could get like a ping pong ball in a, in a bowl floating in there, they gave you a free goldfish. Who doesn't want that, right? So I get home with this bag. It was like this little baggie. Most of the water already leaked out. This poor goldfish is barely in there. <clears throat> My mom's like, what is that? I'm like, it's goldfish. We got a goldfish. And she's like, uh... <laughs> 
I don't know. She probably will listen to this and remember. I don't know if she'll remember this or not. But anyway, we, we didn't have a fishbowl. We didn't, we didn't plan for a goldfish that day. So we put this fish in a bowl, but it was really like a mixing bowl. Because that's all we had at the moment, right? So we put the fish in there, and we just watched it swim around and around and around and around. And, around. and I'm sure at some point that fish looked up and like, is this all there is? Like at least a minute ago, I had a whole pool to swim in, right? And friends. Yeah, thanks. That would make me feel even worse. And friends. Probably a wife in there. Okay. So the goldfish is swimming around and around. So here's what happens. Next morning, I couldn't wait to go see my goldfish, right? So I go running into the kitchen, and I hear this crunch. I'm like, the goldfish, where's the goldfish? And I look under my foot. The goldfish had been on the ground all night all dried and curled up. You know how they do. I thought about that goldfish a long time. I thought about that goldfish for years. And it occurred to me a few years ago, I know what happened. That goldfish fish was swimming around that mixing bowl. You know, couldn't see out, couldn't see anything. I guarantee you, he saw that mixing bowl as rules that limited him from having fun and didn't care about his feelings, and everything good in life was outside that fishbowl. And all he could think of is, if I could just be free of this, I would have everything I wanted in life. And I guarantee you what happened is, he thought about that, and he started swimming super fast, as fast as he could, and he got right over the lip of that bowl, and as he was halfway down to the floor, he started choking and suffocating, and it probably dawned unto him as he was flipping around on the floor, what I thought was there to keep me from having fun was actually there to protect me and provide for me, and to give me a life that I couldn't even imagine. And all I thought of was the one thing limiting me was actually giving me freedom. And what we had planned for that fish never happened because we were going to go out and get a fishbowl and get little gravel and get a little house and all that goofy stuff. And he never got to see it because he took his life into his own hands and lived it the way he thought was best. I wonder how many times God looks at us and says, I've got something for you. I have life for you more than you could ever imagine if you would just follow what I'm telling you. And instead, we start to think, we start to doubt God's goodness, and we start to think that God is keeping things from us. And as we do that, just like even Adam in the garden, we don't realize that God's rules are meant to protect and provide for us. Think about some of his rules. He, say, he wants us to keep sex in the bounds of marriage. One person for your life. Is that limiting? Yes. Is it discriminatory? Yes. But it's a good thing. Now, you may look at that and think, well, why? I mean, there's all these other fish in this. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Not anymore. You may think that, but what is he trying to do there? He's trying to protect you from heartache. He's trying to protect you from physical problems. He's trying to protect you from having babies in an environment that is not healthy and the best thing for them. He's trying to protect you. What is he trying to do? He's trying to provide for you a trusting, wholesome, healthy, pleasurable Fun relationship where you can trust the other person. Did you know that that act bonds you chemically with each other? Did you know that? He created us that way. He did it on purpose. He had a reason for that. It's not just an arbitrary rule. <laughs> Think 
about, think about, it should be so obvious that we protect children from that kind of information at an early age, doesn't it? I want to encourage you, be, be aware of what your schools are teaching. I mean, there's people out there who are trying to teach things that they're not ready for, they're not emotionally ready for. God gave you your children for a reason, for you to guide and direct them. Why is lying wrong? You, lying, lying is one of those things, it's a rule God gave us to provide for us relationships where there's trust, safety. You don't have to wonder what the person's saying is true or not. You can depend on them, and he's protecting you from relationships where you don't know who you can trust and the anxiety of wondering. You know, the, I could go on and on and be, why is envy wrong? Well, he's, the idea is to give you gratitude and appreciation for what he has given you rather than looking what somebody else has, and then you never appreciate what you have, and then you, you don't have a good relationship with them because you don't maybe think they deserve it or you want what they have or whatever. It goes on and on and on and on. When man sinned, we were separated from God, and we have separated ourselves from God. That's the story. And you can't work your way back to him. You can't earn it enough. You can't do it enough. God required a payment for sin. Animals were put in there as a serious, they were put in there as a sacrifice. And some people are like, what in the world? Well, it's supposed to show you how serious violating God's laws are. And instead of us paying physically, they paid physically. And you're supposed to relate to that and see it. In some cases, you would literally put your hand on the animal while it was killed so that you feel the pain of that. That system couldn't go on forever. And that's not what God intended from the beginning anyway. So he sent his son to be that sacrifice for us, to take our place, to literally be in our place. That's why Jesus didn't merely point the way to God. I want you to listen carefully to this. He didn't merely point the way to God, do this, do that, rule, 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 rule. He is the way to God. Do you see the difference? He's not just saying, go that way. He's the way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way to God. That is God's story. So like I said, we want to merge your story with God's story. How do we do that? The fact is, you accept his sacrifice for you, and you join his story. And you start there. It's an amazing thing. My question today is, do you know God? Do you know him, know him? Not about him, no, not where he is or people who know him. Do you know him? Jesus, when he was here with the disciples, they knew him. And he was leaving and he said, it's better if I go. He said this to them. I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. To be with you forever. An advocate, someone to come alongside to be with you. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he wasn't right there. I mean, he was right there physically. Then he was going to leave and send the spirit. Now, here's where people get confused. Like, wait a minute. Is it him or God or spirit? Who is it? Sounds like three gods. It's not three gods. We use the term trinity, which means triunity, to describe one, one God, three persons. And where do we get that from? The Bible. Let me read that again. I will ask the Father. So there's the Father. Jesus is talking. He's going to send the spirit of truth. There's all three of them in one verse. I know it's confusing. Why is it confusing? Because we're humans. And even as I personified that fish, I doubt he thought one thing. Right? 
We do that with everything. We, we, we put our human nature on God when God is God and we're humans. He created us. So he describes himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's a description. The Trinity is a description of what we literally see in Scripture. I, we could go through so many Scriptures. Let me just share a couple. Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us, plural, make human beings in our image to be like us. Us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the, li- the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry on the ground. Jesus, when he was baptized, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Then a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. All three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How do you describe that? Trinity, tri-unity, one God, three persons. In Corinthians, Paul writes, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What do you call that? It's Trinity. It's God and three persons. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. He's God. Isaiah, you can go back to prophecy. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You can go on and on. Jesus, when he's telling the disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three create, they forgive, they judge, they feel, they're grieved, they're eternal. The Son is the invisible image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, and things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. My question is, do you want more of him. Do you know him? Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth. The disciples are like, don't go, don't go. And he's like, I have to go. He says, I have to go. But I'm not going to leave you alone. Before he does, in John 20, 22, he breathes on them and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathes the Holy Spirit into them. Every single Christian, if you're a Christian here today, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working and living in you. He's guiding you. He's helping you with your conscience. It's, it's clear. He, he walks alongside. He helps you in times of need. He's there with you right now. My question is, do you want more of him? Do you want more? Jesus continues and he says, but I'm going away to the one who sent me. Not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead of you, you're grieving. But in fact, it's best that I go away because if I don't, the advocate will not come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. When he comes... He'll convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. And he says, there's much more I want to tell you. In Luke 24, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until that happens. If I could get the worship team to join me. I'm asking you, how much of God do you want? I don't know. I, I know people who just want a little and they kind of put on their faith and off. And I mean, they, they're Christians, but I, I don't know. In the days and times we live in, I, I want more. I want him in my life. I want more. I want more. In Acts 1, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, they still didn't get it. Is the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now remember, he's already breathed the Holy Spirit into them. They have it. He's talking now about something different. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then after he said this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Do you want more of God? What do you do when you want more of God or more of Jesus? What do you do? You go to church. That's good. Yep. You ask. You know what you do? You do basically the same thing you do when you want more of a relationship with anybody, right? You spend time with him. You study him. You read about him, right? You, you, you choose to have community with him. That's what you do. And that's exactly what the disciples did. They waited. And it says here that, that in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, is 50 days after Jesus left, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly... There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames and of tongues or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know that was going to happen. They didn't know how it would work. But they started speaking in languages. It says tongues, but what, they, what it means is languages. They spoke in languages as the Holy Spirit gave them that ability. At the time, because it was a Jewish festival, there were Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were literally hearing the believers speaking other languages. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, And yet we hear them speaking our own native languages. Here we are, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas around Libya and around Cyrene, visitors from Rome. There's a lot of people. They were both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, all these languages. But we hear them speaking our own languages about the wonderful things of God. They were amazed. What can this mean? What they literally heard was the disciples and all those that were gathered with them praising God in their languages. We look back at that and we, we realize what is happening there is they were being overflowed, filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I wonder today, do you want more of God? Do you want more of him? Can you trust him for that? Is it good? Peter stepped up and he, he preached to him because some people thought that it was too early for them to be acting crazy like that. And he preaches this sermon. It was an amazing sermon. I want to skip down to verse 17. He says, in these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Now, if it was the last days then, is it more last days today? You don't have to be a math major to know that. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, he says. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I want you to understand what's happening here. Peter quotes the prophet Joel, who prophesied what I just read to you hundreds of years before. And what he said is what you're seeing now is God pouring out his spirit. Now, here's what I want you to understand. You're a Christian today. You have the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He communicates with you, he talks to you. When we feel God speaking to us, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. He's in you. He does that. He convicts us of sin. He works through us. But what I'm asking is if you want more, there's more. There's more of God if you want to know him. Maybe your story's not being written yet and you feel like you're, you're slogging along and not sure. Maybe you need more of God today. Maybe that's what you need. 
What I love about this too is how inclusive this is. Think about this. Young, old, male, female, different economics. I mean, you have, it says my servants. That word means servants. He's talking about that. Everyone. I don't know. Some of you may never have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can be baptized today. It doesn't have to be a, 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 a strange, weird, confusing thing. We pray. We ask God. What happens is as you're praising him in your, the language you know best, probably English, as you praise in him, other words come to your mind. Just say those words. And people have asked me, well, is it another, like a human language? Maybe. Maybe it's a heavenly language. I don't know. I have had experiences where it was a human language. I've seen it happen. I was, I was in college, and we were doing a prayer thing. It was an all-night prayer thing, and I'd signed up for a weird time, like 2 a.m. or something. I went there, and a friend of mine named Yoshi, he's, he, was a, he was a pastor's son from Japan. He had another friend of his who was Japanese, and they're just standing there all excited and amazed in the prayer room, which normally just people are praying. And they're like, you'll never believe what just happened. I'm like, what? And he goes, well, my friend here, his dad... Their church doesn't teach about the, the Spirit. And I told him, well, let's go pray about it. We walk in here, and the guy who was just in here was praying in Japanese. And I'm like, really? And uh, he, he told me who it was. And I'm like, he knows Japanese? He goes, no, that's the point. He doesn't know Japanese. He was praying, and we're standing there listening to him. And he goes, he goes I don't know if you under, can understand this, but it was classical Japanese. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. But he goes, he goes it'd be like Shakespeare for you. Like, most people don't speak that Japanese anymore, but we listened to it. We heard it, and my friend is looking, and we, we, we stopped him from praying, and we said, do you speak Japanese? And he's like, no, I don't speak. Anyway, I'm just saying. I don't know. What I'm saying is that God, if you want more of God, he's here for you. If you are carrying a heavy load, he's here for you. Would you stand with me? I'm going to open the altars here right now, and we're going to pray for you. And maybe, maybe for you, it's not baptism in the Holy Spirit, but you need prayer for whatever. If you need prayer for healing, there are still stories being written right now for healing. If you need prayer for a, a situation in your life and you want someone to join you in that, God will come with you. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today, this is what today's for. This is what this church is about. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit today. And we will pray with you. I would like for those of you who are, you know, board spouses, uh, pastor spouses, those you prayer people, come down. I want us to be ready to pray. And uh, I just want to anticipate that God is going to move in your heart. If he is speaking to you and you need prayer, want prayer, come down right now. Let's just pray. There's nothing worth more than we'll ever come close. No thing can compare your our living home Your presence, Lord I've tasted and seen Of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord. and Holy Spirit you are welcome come 
Oh 
my heart, here's my life, here's my soul. Give to you, have your way, take control. Here's my life, here's my heart, here's my soul. Have your way, have it all, take control. Here's my heart, here's my life, here's my soul. Your way, and it all take control. Yeah. Oh, God is so good. I want to encourage you one more time. Our stories are not done being written, He continues to write them. There's a lot of people here, God is continuing to write their stories. Um, one thing kind of fun, somebody said, oh, you're too late. I already spoke in tongues. So God does that. It's not, it, it's something that he wants to give us. And I want to encourage you. Perhaps it's something you've been curious about, struggle with. If you have questions, we'll be here. But also we'll continue to talk. We'll talk more about the gifts of the spirit in the next couple of weeks. And I want to encourage you, continue to seek him. If you want more of him, he's there for you. I've heard this before and it, it's, it's something that really convicts me. You have as much of God as you want because he's all there. He wants to walk with you. Think about the garden. You know, once Adam and Eve sinned, God came looking for him, for them, just like he does for us. And he called out to them because they were hiding. God walked with them in the garden and he wants to walk with you. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Let me just close you out in prayer. God bless these people as they walk out of this room into this world you created and among among other creatures you created. And I pray that, God, we be a blessing to literally every single person that we encounter today. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you.